Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, you're listening to Fulhamish Extra, your weekly extra dosage of Fulham FC content. I'm your host, Tom Betts, and joining today's podcast is one and only Guy Barlow. And coming up on the show, we have a look into Friday's West London derby against QPR with Tony Thorpe and answer some of your listener questions. But first, and obviously, more importantly, earlier this week, Sammy interviewed Fulham fan and Pontus star Richard Osman. So let's hear what you had to say. Welcome back to Fulhamish Extra. Sammy here, and I'm delighted to be joined by one of Fulham's most recognisable fans, you could say. Definitely one of the tallest. For sure. Co-host of Pointless and host of House of Games, which has a book out, by the way, that you should definitely buy for Christmas. It's Richard Osman. Welcome to Fulhamish. Hello, Sammy. Absolute pleasure to be here. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, you're very, very kind. Um, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I just thought we could have a... 10 or so minute chat just Lovely. about all things Fulham which I guess you probably do a lot of interviews but mm-hmm. maybe a bit different to just have a chat about one of your favourite subjects yeah I mean I talk a, a lot about Fulham to, to cabbies and to, <laughs> and to my Fulham supporting friends but yeah that's about it the, yeah, the chat shows are, are, are less interested if I go on Graham Norton they don't really want me to do 10 minutes about um, whatever happened to Slavica Djukanovic I'd love to see the, the A-listers alongside you from, from Hollywood <laughs> yeah, I mean if good. Margaret Robbie was on the show then yeah, you might have Margaret some luck Robbie, uh, there is a bit of a uh, A-list Fulham supporting clan, isn't there? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe there's some slightly poshy Fulhamy Chelsea types. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know the I don't know the backstory to Margot Robbie being a Fulham fan. Hugh Grant's obviously always been a yeah a fan, but Margot Robbie. But I it's, think it's, it's it the may, real deal, right? I think it may come from Margot's husband. Okay, who that's is fine. from that neck? Who is kind of from Southwest London? We I need believe. more. We need more Fulham fans to start marrying international film stars. Yeah, exactly. Don't you think just to raise the profile? Well, if you're listening now and you want someone to marry maybe pick a, a, a I new think Hollywood film I think, star. listen take one for the team right head out to Hollywood bring them over Some, someone married Tom Hanks for goodness sake yeah exactly let's talk about your love for Fulham yeah. and you can tell just from being online that this isn't just something that you fancied plumping for Fulham this is a yeah. this well, is a real well, no, passion of yours when did it start it's not um, I mean no one plumps for Fulham do they no If you, I mean I'm surrounded by people uh, I'm from Sussex really yeah. and so my brother is a, is a, is a Crystal Palace fan Okay. Um, so I, used, I sort of grew up going to see Brighton funnily enough because it was nearest but everyone in Sussex for whatever reason chooses uh, a London team uh, and everyone else in my school chose Liverpool or Manchester United or, yeah. or stuff like that so yeah I couldn't swear to you why it happened but I'm glad it did I'm sort of glad it did I mean it's awful in a way isn't it you do think <laughs> no sometimes friction. when you look at your Liverpool supporting friends or your uh, Man United supporting friends you think it must be quite fun to win most of the time but right? then they seem to be miserable all the time as well so is it fun well that, yeah I mean that's the thing isn't it every time we win it's like delightful yeah. it's like the best thing that's ever happened but then you know we go and watch you know that 3-0 lost to Hull you know I honestly don't believe they have days like that no, I, I don't, don't they believe do. they have days when they're sitting uh, in the Hammersmith end and it's freezing and the rain is lashing across from the Thames and every time the other team goes at the other end they score and you know you just think I don't think that happens to fans of Spurs or something like that no. you know they get they start weeping if they lose in the quarterfinal of the Champions League 
You know, they should come and watch us lose the whole three now. And also, it's the the mediocrity of it. It's the fact that actually no one's talking about your defeat either. Yeah. It's not front. It's not on the back of the pages. It's just oh, it's you know what? If you literally sort of be like half a column in a paragraph about championship roundup, yeah, and you say, um, yeah, Hull took a useful three points away at Fulham. You think really? I sat through ninety minutes of that, so you can just say that. In a way, it's all right because you know when you lose, it's it's really easy to to avoid. Yeah, everything you know in the in the in the uh, in the Premier League when we were losing, which I, I seem to remember we did uh, once or twice, a <laughs> couple of times. It's sort of quite hard to avoid. Yeah, that isn't it? Yeah, sure. Whereas at least in the Championship, so if we lose, uh, I, I don't look at the league table. I don't look at the forums. I can't do it. I can't do the pessimism. If we win, then I'm on Twitter and I'm looking at everything. I want to see what everyone's got to say. The second we lose, you think I can't. I, I I can't have this in my life. Where do you sit at Fulham? How often are you going? Are you able to make uh, most of the games? Have you been displaced from the uh, from the Riverside? I have been displaced. Year? Yeah, I'm I'm part of the the Riverside diaspora. Um, so yeah, I was always uh, in Riverside. Uh, and now I'm in um, now I'm in the Hammersmith end. At least that's good. A lot of people have been moved onto that Putney yeah. end, which I don't think seems maybe it's fun, but uh, I wouldn't have thought so. Oh, you always want to be. You always want to be in the Hammersmith. Well, end. I think so, and that's good. I mean, listen, it's going to get so cold when they <laughs> tear down the riverside, isn't it? Well, it's, it's like I've seen a couple. Of like? fo- I've seen a couple of photos in the past week, and they've really like yeah. gone to town on the demolition. And I think that QPR game on Friday is yeah. going to be. But you know how cold it is at the best of times. Yeah, but you wonder. As presumably, it's, we're going to be affected uh, not for the first time by the wind. Uh, you know, it's probably going to affect the game. Yeah, but for maybe sure. that'll play into our hands because we'll, you know, we'll get used to it fairly quickly. But that's going to be like playing on a like a Second World War building site. Yeah, well, it's it, going to be awful. It does look bizarre, doesn't yeah. it? And the fact that you can now really see the riverbank and the and the rowing club on yeah, the other yeah, side, yeah. it's 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 an odd feeling inside. Exactly. Right. Listen, Craven it's College. going to be amazing, Riverside. I've, I've always sat in Riverside. I like it in Riverside. I know it's a bit quiet, but I quite like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I like going out at half time and you're on the river and and all of that. So I've, I've always liked being there. And obviously, anyone you know, people you bring down to to watch, they that you know, they fall in love with the place yeah. immediately, which is what happens with all anyone you ever take to the game. Yeah. They literally fall in love with it. Uh, and so, you know, I've loved being there, so I'll, I'll, I'll head back there, I suspect, because it's, it's my cup of tea. But yeah, I try and get to, to, to most home games. Uh, I think I've been to most of them this season. Occasionally, if I'm filming, I can't. Yeah. So sometimes, like, sometimes Tuesday night games or Wednesday night games, I can't, I can't get to on time. But by and large, I think, I think I've, uh, I've, 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 I've certainly been to most of them over the last 15 years. God. Um, so what is your favourite memory of supporting Fulham? Oh. I mean, the obvious ones are Europa, promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, are they the ones that stand out for you? Are there some more subtle moments for you that, that particularly... I would I would love to say there are more subtle moments. But you know what, funnily enough, with that Europa thing, I mean, it's, I, I didn't go to the final. But, you know, that Juventus night and this is the thing when you support Fulham instead of Man United or Liverpool yeah you know you, there's there's not many moments like that and you're there and you know beating Juventus 4-1 and overturning that deficit and the way we did it yeah. um uh it was just lovely you were surrounded by people there people much older than me you know guys in their guys in their 60s and 70s and women in their 60s and 70s who were crying because you just think well look I've not I've never seen this yeah you know this is this is the reason I've watched Fulham v Carlisle. You know, this is the reason I've sat there in the rain and that, you know, I've supported them through thick and thin. Just so one day, maybe before I die, I'll see us beat Juventus 4-1. So that, I think, is, is, is incredibly special. Listen, going to Wembley and winning the playoffs was 
amazing. Yeah. But that felt, I think, something like the Juventus thing because it was such a, you know, what Roy had done was so extraordinary. Mm. And the players he'd brought in, none of whom were superstars, all of whom worked their socks off for him, all of them played as, as, as a team. And you think, well, that's why you support a team like Fulham, because it's like when the underdog has their day, you do everything right, and suddenly you're there beating Juventus 4-1, and you're seeing you know, people who have been there for 50 years in tears. You think, well, that, that's, that, that would be, that's the greatest sporting event in anything I've ever been to and ever will be to I suspect I think there's something about the Europa obviously mm. Wembley was amazing but there'll be another team win the championship playoffs yeah, yeah, year yeah. after year after year after year what we achieved that year was almost unique for yes. a club our size yeah and dominated by so many other kind of London teams, English yeah. teams, to actually reach the final like we did and, and push Atletico. Yeah, and, and listen, on any other day, that's a, that's, that's, that's a game we would have won. No, and it felt like just desserts as well for doing things the right way, and that's, e- that's even better. Yeah. And it didn't feel like we fluked it. No. You know, listen, I, I know that beating uh, Juventus 4-1 was an unusual result, but you watched the game. It wasn't, you know, that was sort of... It kind of had an inevitability. Yeah, yeah from the yeah. moment uh, Cannavaro was sent off, you just think, "Oh, we could do." Oh, well, this, this is going to be an interesting yeah. thing. And you know, but at the Fulham in those days, that seemed to happen a lot. Which is, you think, "Oh, we could, we could nick this. You know, we could win this three 0 and, and and then we would do it." Uh, and you know, which of course happened under Slav in the in the in the championship as well, which was great fun. But uh, you know, in the moments like that, they can they can never take away from you, can they? And Man United fans, Liverpool fans, Chelsea fans will never experience things like that. They'll never get the highest highs that I yeah. feel like uh, sporting a team like Fulham yeah. can give you. Although you do have to suffer uh, oh, an extraordinary I mean, amount of an insane of lows. amount of lows. That's the that's the point. That's the that's the uh, the trade off. So I imagine you've met uh, a few Fulham players yeah. over the years. I, I don't imagine you're constantly in contact no. with, with all of them. But um, what has been your, your favourite Fulham player from, from, from down the years? One that really stands out. I'll tell you the player I love and I loved. And he, he, he reminds me of those times a lot was John Pansil. You think, you know, that's what you want in a football, you know, for all the amazing players we've had. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's all great in the Dempsey's and then Dembele's and all of that. You know, John Pantsill, you know, running up and down the wing after every single win, you know, like an aeroplane, you know, taking the applause of the crowd. That's what you want in a football team, isn't it? That's, yeah. what, that's what you go to football for. And that's what you don't get at, at, uh, at other clubs. So I love John Pantsill. Yeah, I mean, I do occasionally meet some of the team. I, I think it's best to probably not meet them as much yeah because you you need to you know because they're just guys doing a job of work yeah you know and quite rightly they're getting paid they do a job of work they look after themselves uh they don't care as much as i do no you know but of course they don't care as much how how could they yeah you know they're, they're not going to be here as long as me and you know the second they hurt themselves someone will sack them so of course they don't care as much as i do uh so I, sometimes i think you mustn't but then we did some filming recently uh for sky and who was on? We had uh, Joey Bryan. Yeah. Who I love. Was this the pointless thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Joey was on. Bettinelli was on. Who's a great guy. Mitro was on. Uh, and and uh, Tom Kearney. And Mitro at the beginning was like, well, I mean, I don't want to be here. What have you, you know, I just finished training. Someone says, I've got to come up here and, and do this. The second he realized it was competitive. Oh. He was, oh my God, he was great. He Amazing. loved it, absolutely loved it. And you could tell the four of them, uh, I've got a lot of time for, and they are four people who do turn up and put in a shift and love the club and, you know, that sort of thing, which is what you want. But I, I fear sometimes if you go into the slightly further reaches of the dressing room, you'd come across people 
that you just think, oh, I don't, I don't really think you want to be here. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to look that far behind the curtain, to be honest. No, I think it's quite good sometimes just to they keep your distance and uh, they, yeah. well, they say never meet your heroes, don't they? Yes, and I exactly. guess there's, there's maybe sometimes a yeah. reason for them because they don't turn out to be everything yeah. that you think they are on a football pitch. Of course, that's exactly right. And, and I've spent a bit of time with, uh, with, with, with the chairman uh, and with Tony Khan. So I've got strong opinions on them and their motives for the club, which, which, I, which I think are great. Um, and, you know, that's the interesting thing, I think, is chatting to the people behind the business of the team mm. uh, and the people who genuinely are going to, you know, see where Fulham are going to be in the next five years. Uh, and that's the thing I, you know, I've genuinely liked meeting them because, you know, you look them in the eye and they, they genuinely care mm. and they're genuinely spending money and they genuinely want to build something that endures and is lasting and they genuinely want to stick up like an amazing stand at the riverside and buy this incredible championship team and you sort of suspect next time we go up we'll be up for good next time we go up well fingers crossed and yeah as you say i mean we met we interviewed tony in the summer and Mm. um his his passion is undeniable and 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 i think he's willing to admit that he made mistakes last but, season i mean of co- but how, how how would you not make mistakes if you know it's it's but if you look at the people who own the clubs around this country mm. certain of them are from regimes you wouldn't want running your club yeah in my opinion so it's not even not fulham so fulham is you know i think has a has a strong kind of social justice it's a good working class area you know we do, you, you, you want to be run by the right people uh they've got money they spend their money they really care they have interesting ideas and you think of the list of all the owners in Britain I think we got we got pretty much amongst the best and I think you can see with what's happening with lots of owners around the country oh yeah Barry Bolton Macclesfield oh, moments, so many teams have fallen apart it's, yeah. uh, it's terrible and it's not even just small clubs you know teams like Bolton yeah. were in the Premier League with us for 13 years and well I, I think we all know who we'd rather have as exactly right and you constantly think oh it'd be lovely to stay, go up and stay up and you think yeah but there's there are other fates that befall football clubs especially with that ground which you know what the money that is worth yeah you know it's insane how someone hasn't sold it yeah of course <laughs> you know and it's great and now you know it's just not going to be sold and you think well that's uh, that's amazing so what are your thoughts on the team this year um mm. we were chatting just as we uh, came up the lift to this room about it's a weird season you yeah. can't predict it could we finish first could we finish 17th it's it's impossible to know yeah. scott um has done a good job to stabilize everything i think yeah. no one can deny that after what was just wretched last season yeah. it was horrible for everyone yeah, and yeah, whilst yeah. we went down we went down without even a, a fight yeah it was yeah there w- it wasn't even yeah there was nothing going on was there but we we sit just outside the playoffs yeah. and, and there's everything to play for but it hasn't been this absolutely barnstorming walk the league that we may have hoped for yeah looking at our squad once deadline day yeah shot. look and look at the squad and look at you know when we, when we had that 4-0 win over Millwall and we're all thinking well this is I mean you know this is going to be a load of fun but you know the championship it's a, it's a cliche to say uh, it's very hard to get out of but actually it really is hard to get out of yeah um, listen we bought very very well in my opinion you know some people haven't performed game for game as, as well as they might have done but we've definitely got the personnel to do it Mitro staying was just massive beyond massive yeah. and that speaks to Tony Khan and what he wants to do with the club the fact that Mitro said no I, I trust these guys and they yeah. look after me uh, so Mitro staying was massive uh, TC staying was uh, was massive and listen the second that you know I mean the second Cavaliero starts scoring those goals again you know from the edge of the area where he curls it in every game uh, the second knockout you know gets a bit of confidence back the second that you know uh, Bobby Dechodova Reed 
you finally know, hasn't, gets hasn't his goal. started scoring, but he will. You know, you just know he will. Yes. You know, perhaps. I mean, fingers crossed against QPR when yeah. Mitro's when when Six Mitro's out. Um, and that defence isn't too leaky. Listen, I know you know people endlessly say oh, we need a better defence. You think? Listen, we're in the championship. That's a championship defence, and and you know it, it's uh, it's it has its issues, but it's we're definitely good enough to go up. Yeah. Top two, you'd think would be a push because you know you, you'd assume that someone like West Brom will take one of those places. There'll be one of those teams, so you'd, you'd be pushing for for second. But um, you'd be disappointed if we weren't staying round about those playoff places yeah I'd have thought I mean if it, if it clicks with that personnel then we will go up because we're good enough if not to go on that 23 match unbeaten run we're good enough to go on a pretty big run um, and are you a Betts man or a Rodak man at the moment uh, well it's a tricky one isn't it I love Betts and I think he loves the club as well which is great and he's a very smart um, fella you know, it's good to have two goalies uh, competing with each other uh, I suppose, and Rodak seems like a safe pair of hands as well. I like bets for the spirit he gives the team. Yeah, you know, and uh, I think that uh, I think they're much of a muchness as keepers. Uh, but there's something I love about having him behind that back four, and he's a guy who really sort of thrives off confidence and thrives off results and stuff like that. Uh, and I think we're very lucky to have the two of them as keepers. But no, I, I think he's a, a really good guy. Yeah, completely. which I know I know is not the main thing, but no, but it, it does make it harder. To, it, it does. It's it's hard not to be judged and, and yeah. be influenced by the clear like love for the club, yeah, exactly. And running behind the goal at Wembley with a flare yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. all of those uh, amazing moments that, that he's exactly. given us over the years. But kind of Rodak's got his place and it's his to lose now. I guess. Yeah, I think I think I think that's exactly it. And you know, goalkeepers know that. That's why goalkeepers are all mad <laughs> because you know they've got that thing that they're either playing or they're not playing. And you know, there's always someone who's who's ready to take their place. But you know, it's it's the goalkeepers who come back who are the ones who've, who've, who've got character. And he's certainly got that. He's not going to go anywhere, is he? He's not going to um, he's not going to run away from anything. Yeah. So. You know, he's all, you know the second he's back in the team and full time, you know you're going to get a, a performance from him. Well, finally, Richard, um, you're very well known on Twitter for your World Cups, your yes. World Cups of crisps, chocolates, yep. and and everything that you've uh, you've, yep. you've kind of built it. It's been several years now. You've been doing a brand, World yeah. Cups. Well, we're about to do a TV show of it as well, which is the World Cup of the decade, which is um, best film of the decade, best TV show, best song best uh, best celebrity well this is what I was thinking so I saw that you're doing the World Cup of the Decade yeah. and you're currently voting for that at the moment so it gave me an idea would you be willing to endorse Fulhamish doing a Fulham World Cup oh, of the you Decade must, yeah, listen every, everyone nicks the idea and that's absolutely fine so it's not really you can't um, uh, but of all the people of course you can do it okay yeah, I'd love a World Cup of Fulham was um, it best player? Or? So we were thinking maybe best player of the decade as, it, as, oh, as we roll around to the new year yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and roll around to the new decade. So um, do you want to give me a couple of uh, names for the shortlist for, well, uh, for 2010 to 2020? I'll tell you this for a fact. And that is these things are always won by the most recent people, mm. especially with football. So everyone will vote for Metro. Like okay. Everyone will vote for Mitro, which will be unfair on the on on the players. Do you from, not think the players like maybe like with Breda Hang with such iconic I mean, players from the beginning of the decade? The guy I would vote for is Hangland. Yeah. You know, in a heartbeat. You know, even Zoltan Guerra or something. That's what I've got. You know, Demp was Demp. Well, it's hard to remember when people. Dempsey left. was here during the during this yeah, yeah. decade. Yeah, of course he was. Um, it's hard for some of that generation because some of their best moments were actually before before the decade. That's, but you know, the Europa thing. League final was in this decade yeah yeah so. no, it's um i listen i would say that metro will win because that's the wisdom of crowds and they'll they usually vote for the thing they last saw uh i would say that hangland should win 
Okay. He'd be my, uh, my favourite. Um, you want to have some wild cards in there. See, I would have, <laughs> I would have and no one else would have. I'd put Brian Ruiz in there. Because you think when Brian Ruiz played properly, <laughs> you know, when you actually saw what he was capable of, he was think, a wonderful... Oh my God, you're an amazing footballer. Yeah. And then he just didn't like being booed, did he? No. Uh, and, and I don't uh, think he liked Wet Tuesday nights. Yeah, um, I think he... Up I, West Brom I, I, and I, all I, of that. I think he was... I think he's happier in Costa Rica, Brian Ruiz, I have to say. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, it'd be interesting if you put Berbatov in there because... Uh, you know what a joy to watch him and a privilege to watch him but he was sort of the beginning of the end he was for that era and maybe a strategy that led to our downfall with well, lots of uh, aging players and I think there's an argument that says when Berber turned up that was uh, that was the end of it for us I don't think you're alone in that thinking what was the game what was the game I always think this was the beginning of the end where Hangeland got sent off um, Sunderland is it, yeah and it got something sent off, changed that miss, day yeah that, that to me that sending off was and it's sort of people at the time even knew it yeah I think people went oh you look at each other think that is that that's the end of the era is it something really went snap that day yeah, yeah, almost really like did. Fulham's Achilles yeah. just just went in that one moment yeah. and we lost a really crucial game and it, yeah you you just felt like it was a sinking ship from that moment onwards I, I'm, I'm amazed that you've, you've thought that because I always used to think that's just something I thought no 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 I really I, I remember it so keenly I just remember thinking oh man that's that one gone and he's out for the next so you just that was uh, but you know you can't a, a club with our resources certainly with our resources at that time you can't go on forever you can't have those successes you have to go down it's, it's a statistically it's, yeah. impossible not to you can supporters can complain all they want but with that funding you know fire didn't wasn't putting any money in no you know he really wasn't he was on his way out uh now we've got the funding again if we can just get that foothold back in the premier league then actually statistically we should be able to be be a top 10 premier league side but it'll take a few years well fingers crossed and uh, with everything that's going on at fulham it's certainly an exciting time to be a fulham sure fan is. if it is uh slightly frustrating um i'm gonna make you stick your neck out yeah where if you were a betting man, yes. would you bet Fulham to finish this season? Or how do you think this uh, season will end up? I never put bets on Fulham, ever. Except for this season where I bet on Mitro to be top scorer, which is turning out nicely. Well, yeah, it's printing money so that was moment. eight to one, which was lovely. Uh, I would say we'll finish fifth. Okay. That's what I think. That's interesting. You and know? then how do you think this Fulham team would, would potentially fare in the playoffs? It's a lottery, of course. I, well, I genuinely think it is a lottery. So I think it's, uh, it's completely meaningless as to, as a, you know, of it, listen, here's, here's the nightmare is we end up in the in, in the final against QPR or you know Brentford yeah i think i think QPR's worse i don't buy this Brentford thing okay interesting because they've manufactured this thing they've manufactured this bees up full and down which was meaningless they've manufactured this thing where there are big rivals you think mate we'll tell you when you're our rivals okay <laughs> you know QPR are proper old school rivals you know i'd rather you know i think us playing QPR is a bigger grudge match than us playing Brentford still well I love that purely for the fact that that will wind them up immensely but who can you know what I mean genuinely good luck all the um, where I live in uh, most of the people in Chiswick are Brentford fans a lot of Brentford fans and so I, I get stick all day every day walking <laughs> down the street from Brentford fans so all lovely people but I, I, I love to I love to wind up a Brentford fan well Richard um, an absolute pleasure to have you on Fulhamish long pleasure. time coming and uh, hopefully we can have you back on to chat would love Fulham to soon. thank you Sammy come on you whites would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone I thought you might if so sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. 
It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Thanks once again for Richard Osman for taking the time out of his day to give us his view on all things Fulham FC. Now, moving swiftly onwards, it's time to answer some of your questions like we do every week on our Love Sport Radio fan show every Wednesday night from 9pm with former EastEnders star and friend of the podcast, Charlie Hawkins. Let's kick it off. First question. This one comes from George Rossiter, not our, not our very own George Cooper, who isn't sadly missed. This is the first question. <laughs> if Brian isn't 100% and Reem is only just back from the USA... What is the back four that you are going with? Uh, Stumped you, guy. Question yeah. one. Um, okay, now I've got it. <laughs> Christy right back. Yeah. Oh, dear. Bringing a doy to the centre-back. Um, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Divisions amongst the ranks already. Mawson and uh, um, Stephen Seth. No, I'm joking. Um, it has to be Lamarche on the left back, doesn't it? Well, actually, the, 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 there's a follow-up. That, and what if Lamarche isn't 100% either? I think that's the worry. That's the concern. Uh, Marlon Fossey. Just Fossey. <laughs> no, no. Bring Matty Briggs from like Norway's second division, wherever he is. And get get him in. Like, yeah. He's got the pace. No, I think... I'm hoping Brian's going to be fit. But I think that if he's not, for me, at right back, I'd have Steven Sessegnon on. A left back, I've had a doy, and even though Reem has just come back late from American national team, who sorry, can we can we touch on something here? He got an assist from a free kick, crossing it in. In what world is Tim Reem taking your free kick on the left hand side, crossing it in for you to head it into the back of a net? <laughs> like in in what in what dimension does is that a common thought process? But yeah, no, Reem, I think I, I'd still bring him in. But yeah, if let's say Brian, Brian and LaMarchand are both unfit so I'd probably move Adoy to the left hand side have Steven Session at right back and then have Mawson and Ream at the back I just think that you know yes he's been with the USH team but he does it all the time so I don't think it should be too much of an issue alright next question Sam Gardner says who would you play up top against QPR we've had this one but obviously everyone's worried and I've got to say everyone I speak to about Fulham on the other fan shows everyone has said Mitrovic best striker in the championship and it's not even close I think, yeah, that's correct. I mean, there's no other statement you can make there. He's clearly the best striker in the don't league. Scott Pardew can look fantastic in a cardigan. His club is world-class. Yeah, he is. Um, absolutely. But no, I, I, for me, I think just... I expect it to be Bobby Reid, Caviero and Knockart just because Parker's been using, you know, Bobby Reid a lot this season. He's been trying to get him into the squad as much as he can. You know, this is a great, it's a great opportunity, great opportunity for him to get his first goal. So... I think you will see that, and then you probably see AK forty seven come off the bench. Bobby Reed's gonna be knackered as well, though. He's been playing across the Atlantic with Jamaica, so you know if we've got to factor it in for Ream, we've got to factor it in for Bobby Reed. Um, I don't know. I'd have a Doy <laughs> and AK forty seven up 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 north. All right, this next question comes from Jamie Graham. I'm going to try this without laughing because unbelievably it sounds like a song. It says, now Poch has gone. Do you think Sessignon was wrong? That's the question. <laughs> um, I don't think Sessignon was wrong. I don't think you can <laughs> sort of like decline of the move to, to, to Spurs. <laughs> I but, didn't go for it. But fully. I, I, I know I think it's fine. It's just, you know, as we mentioned earlier, this might not actually be the worst thing for, for Ryan Sessignon because with, with Mourinho there, he's probably going to improve defensively. And I think... You know, Mourinho, when he was at Manchester United, did want Ryan Sessegnon at the club. He was interested in bringing Ryan Sessegnon to Manchester United for about £30 million during the championship. So he's clearly a player that he knows. Obviously, when when his son was in the Fulham Academy, he would have known of Ryan Sessegnon. So I actually don't think it's as bad as everyone's making out of as Mourinho moving to you know Spurs while Ryan Sessegnon is there. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, hopefully, he will improve defensively. Um, you know, like that was always a. I always thought like an un, kind of unfair criticism of Sessegnon anyway. Um, a lot of people thought that he was a terrible defender. I, I never thought he was. I thought you know he was he's better going forward, but I never thought he was actually horrendous. <laughs> um, so I think the only thing that it might like kind of change his kind of career trajectory because we all saw him as like moving forwards from fullback to left wing and mm. now he might have to move back again before he can go start going forwards well you can you can see Rose Mourinho potentially preferring him as a better option to Danny Rose obviously I know they've got Ben Davis but but then you know I think he will actually make him a more defensively aware player if he, even in playing him at left wing. I think because Mourinho was interested in him at his time at Fulham for about thirty million pounds, I think that will actually do him good. And I don't think it's as bad as it was making up because it's not like he's a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old coming through. You know, he they spent what twenty-five, thirty odd million pounds on him in the summer, so he's a player who's got a bright future at the club. So yeah, again, I don't think you know Jose Mourinho coming in is, is as bad for Ryan Session as everyone does think. All right, next question. I'm hoping I'm getting this right from Tuck Roll XP. Is there a way to go back to four-one-four-one, the K-Mac role filled by Reed? I think with the four-one-four-one, I think one thing we've often said is actually that Kenny often actually is better when he's deeper, in in in, in especially in the Championship anyway. And so let's say you you had him, you had Stephanie Hansen. I think your problem here then comes in when it when it comes to your wingers because you know that four one four one relied on the bombing fullbacks. We don't really have the bombing fullbacks. You know you'd argue that Joe Bryan prefers to sort of cross it from deep. You know if he's playing Stephen Session let's say or Hudson Adoy, they're not ones who are going to blaze through. Adoy who's diving in the inverted rungs into the middle of the park. Stephen Session's a lot more of a. You know, I think if you were to play the system, maybe Sars Christie would work better at right, but just because he's more of a player who's going to want to get down the line. But I think it comes into wide areas here. I think we've got the midfield and we've obviously got Mitrich to make it work, but it's whether the fullback areas and the wingers and if they can build those connections and friendships, whether that can be the most successful. I think that's where the issues will come. Yeah, I'm probably going to sound really tactically stupid right now, but like. There's, I've, to me anyway, there's not much difference between four one four one and four three three, right? Because either way, you've, you've still got three players in the middle, and you've still got, you know, like. Two, yeah, I two, think the difference two, like, comes players. where I see Bobby Reed, Caviero, Knockout as a three sort of pronged attack, whereas this would be sort of two wide players and then a main striker. But yeah, I, I'm not sure with our wingers it currently work around just because they're no. two players who like to bomb inside a lot. I think that's where your biggest issue comes here. Guy, you can never sound stupid. You are a wealth of knowledge, my man. And the next question is A Murray from A Murray 18. Who would you realistically pick to take over from Parker if he was to get the boot? I don't know this question, I don't know why this is even cropping up, but this is one of the listener questions, guy. Uh, Pochettino. Hey, free. He's available. He, he, he is available. He Topical. Is. Yeah. He's already got a place in London. <laughs> exactly. He's already got a gap in London. Bring Richard Pochettino. No, I don't like answering these sort of questions. Yeah, I, know. Like, I feel the same. Because, you know, Parker got a really good win in his last game away to Birmingham City. I think... Great win. The, you, you definitely need the same style of manager as opposed to the style of football we're going to play. You couldn't bring in a Chris Hewton, let's say, because we saw that with Ranieri. You can't go from a progressive squad to then get in the same squad to play a non-progressive style of football, which would be more defensively aware, I guess you could say, like Chris Hume. We saw going from Slav to Ranieri last season, but it doesn't work. So I don't really want to see who's going to be taking him from Parker. You know, we got that really good win away from home last time. So yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'd say if we were 
we are to answer the question. I just want I'd want someone who's maybe got a bit more experience, but still plays this sort of same style of football as Scott Parker's been playing. All right. Well, uh, Dom, last time we done this, uh, the next question you got it horribly r- wrong. But Dan Williams is saying, how many points do you think we can realistically <laughs> Dude, get until the new year? How many games is that? Do you know? It's quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I don't off the top of my head. Let me no, try why you two are thinking no, it up. I think it's more how many can we af- can we afford to lose between now and the new year. You know, I think that we can't afford to lose, I don't think, more than two games. Well, what I said last week is, is in a slightly different way. I want to be in touch with Leeds when we play them on Saturday the 21st of December, right? So I want to be no more than three points behind them at that point. And then if we're there, I'm happy, you know? Um, Nine games until the new year. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a big old chunk of the season, isn't it? 27 mm. points, isn't it? Yeah. So, but, um, you know, like, yeah, like I said, if we can either, like, get, get ourselves in a position where if we beat Leeds, we'll go above them, or we if we beat them, we go on level points, you got, you then... Look, you got to look who we're playing. We're playing Preston, we're playing Swansea, we're playing Leeds, we're playing teams around us. I think I saw a stat on Twitter earlier there, you know, they ranked who we're playing and the rankings of those teams in the league. We've got the hardest run in from now until Christmas, mm. if you look at it in that sense now. So, I think... But that's good for us. I think we actually are actually... Well, in the championship last time, we sort of sort of... We built our form on, you know, beating teams in and around us. There was this group of five games which we were beating teams in and around us. So I think this run of games could actually help us because we're playing teams in and around us who are going to come and attack us as well. So Are you giving us a points tally at that 27? 20, 20. Before we look ahead to Friday night's West London Derby against QPR, I thought it'd be great to let you know some of the great articles coming up on our website, fullamish.co.uk. We obviously already had 4-4 juice take on Tony Khan's beef with Randy Orton on social media, but also make sure to check out George Singer's Statwatch and Eamon Levin's Back to Basics. Now, back to Friday's huge game. We had the pleasure of being joined by former Fulham and QPR striker Tony Thorpe, and we started off by asking him what he's made of QPR starts of the season so far. I was on the radio a couple of weeks ago and kind of said, you know, I think overall looking at the games that they've had this year, they'd be pretty happy where they sit, which is a couple of points behind Fulham. Um, kind of sitting in and around, I don't know, probably Fulham are seventh at the moment, QPR around tenth. So, they're not far from that playoff position, which my old team, Bristol City, have at 28 points. So after 16 games, you are where you are. And I think um, QPR's last four results have not helped them. You know, if they didn't nick to win or two, they probably would have been in the top six. But yeah, that's going to be a real tough game, but one I'm really looking forward to um, on Friday. What has Warburton changed at the club this season? Because they do look like a different side to what they have done the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, there's been a bit of um, unrest in the camp at, at Queen's Park Rangers. Not not so much um, consistency in the terms of uh, management and results, but uh, seems like he's stabilised the place, brought a bit of a more expansive kind of style to the way he wants them to attack. They they play a quite a unique style, uh, and they've shown this year that they they can go away from home, like at Chef Wednesday, uh, and, and pick up three valuable points. I think their home forms. On the odd occasion, let them down, uh, especially against Brentford, which I watched um, live on Sky. But uh, overall, like I said, I think Warburton will be pretty happy with the way things are at this moment. There's a there's a long way to go. I mean, there's 30 games to go uh, between now and the end of the season for for both clubs. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their like attacking options. Obviously, Eze is a talent who I'm not sure is going to be sticking around at QPR much longer. But you also got Naki Wells, who's scored goals in the Championship. And um, Hugel as well, who like obviously banged him in at Preston and then um, got him 
got his move to West Ham, didn't work out from there, but now now he's back in the Championship. Do you think Fulham have got to worry like defensively, with particularly those three players? Absolutely, I think most teams in the Championship would worry facing you know those three talented boys up front. They're going to cause problems, but Fulham have obviously uh, top goal scorer. I think he is in the league, uh, Mitrovic, who. Uh, again, I did a little bit for the radio a couple of weeks ago, um, not stating the obvious, but he was a, a major danger for Luton and managed to grab a hat-trick. He he probably is a Premier League player playing in the Championship right now, uh, and he's going to be just a, a bigger threat, um, obviously, if fit um, going into Friday's game, just like the other three for, for QPR. So it's, it's, it's easily uh, and kind of equally poised, this game. You You probably couldn't call it. Yeah, one thing that a lot of Fulham fans have pointed out is that you know QPR defensively this season haven't looked the greatest. Yeah, I think it was it second most conceding the league and haven't kept a clean sheet yet, or haven't kept a clean sheet in in a long time. So it clearly means that Q that Fulham won't be able to score on Friday night. But what what do you think is is, is something enough going wrong at the back, or are they sort of going under the philosophy of that if we can't attack, if Plan A attacking doesn't work, we'll just attack you harder, as Warburton sort yeah. of did under Brentford. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, he had that same style at Brentford, which kind of worked. Uh, and I think he's got the same kind of philosophy uh, at the R's. You are right, they don't draw too many games. And the, the style which he plays, which is obviously majority of the time, if he does play a three up there uh, or, or generally two strikers, they are going to cause teams problems. Um, he does like to get forward. But like you said, if you're going to be like that as a, as a, a unit, you are going to be um, obviously... The problems you're going to cause at the back, which they have done this year, which is concede goals. Um, you know, you're going to leave gaps and holes um, down the sides and, and, and through the middle. So Fulham will look at that and think uh, at home that they can exploit that and, and cause them some problems. And that's what I said. This this is going to be a, a real good game. I think, listen, you wouldn't call a nil-nil in this one. With um, Warnock obviously leaving his job at Cardiff and... Um... Huddersfield second their manager early in the season. Fulham of the only one of the relegated teams to stick with um, their manager so far. I know we're early in the season, but what have you made of Scott Parker so far? Because at the moment, what I, I felt that he's kind of our weak link in, the, in that he's so inexperienced. But um, he's got lots to prove this season, I think. Yeah, you've got to remember, we're seven games from being halfway through a season. Um, he's sitting in seventh place of uh, seven points, I think, off the top. I mean, it's ludicrous for us to be even talking about how well or, or how indifferent Fulham are doing. I really like um, Scott Parker. I think he's doing a really good job. It's just so difficult, this championship. I mean, year on, year out, you know, you just couldn't call it. I mean, I felt that Cardiff would be really strong this year and, and they've really struggled. Um, Preston are a, surpri- a surprise package up there. So I just feel that Scott's doing a great job. I think he's got a real good side. Uh, it, these next 10 to 12 games, um, normally, you know, just after Christmas, coming into like late January, uh, early February, you kind of know where your team's going to be. And I just feel if he can hang around this, this top six, there's no reason why they can't push for a top two position because they've got the squad for it. Do you think, you know, QPR's, 
let's say indifferent record at Craven Cottage is going to have a part to play in the players' minds. I'm thinking the 6-0 when they first got promoted to the Premier League. Where I remember we hosted them on a Friday night previously in the Championship, ended up 4-0. Obviously, you know, I think the last two attempts they've actually got a, a draw a, a draw and a, and a victory. So it's, it's getting a bit better. But do you think, you know, the big losses they have sort of conceded at Craven Cottage in those, especially the 6-0 and the 4-0, will have a part to play in the minds? Or because, you know, these players most likely weren't there at the time, did it? There it won't be in their minds whatsoever. No, I, I don't think it'll be in their minds whatsoever. They're totally new players. Um, they're going to go into the game full of confidence. It, you know, I know they're not one in four QPR, but you know they've not had a. They've relatively had quite a, an okay season. Um, this championship, no one's running away with it. I know West Brom are top of the league and got a real strong side, uh, but for me, you couldn't call. I'd, I'd say anything between second place and thirteenth. There's there's. 10 or 11 teams there that could really break into that top two or top six. I don't think QPR are going to be thinking about what the results were previously. Um, it just depends on how Fulham start. If they get out the blocks and, and hit you with a couple of goals, then yeah, uh, that'll be on the player's mind then. But no, not not initially going into that game. They'll, they'll be absolutely fine. I actually feel QPR, are, uh, I've watched them away from home a couple of times this year and, and I actually think that they're going to pick a lot of points up this year away from home more, more than probably at, um, at home. I was thinking, obviously, a lot of the players are, you know, established internationals and, um, you know, pros. But I'm just thinking, does it make any difference to the fact that it's Friday night on TV as a player? No, it's amazing. You know, it's uh, it's obviously an evening kickoff. Floodlights are on. Pretty much a full house at Fulham. Both teams are doing relatively okay. Um, if um, Fulham if Fulham get a win, they'll, they'll probably drop into the top four, and then they can sit back and watch how the teams do on a Saturday. If QPR win, they'll they'll feel they'll restored a bit of um, confidence and uh, a bit more confidence within the you know the way that they've started the season and can get back to winning ways. Like I said, you you probably couldn't call this game. I think both teams will go at it. Well, uh, Tony, I know you just said you can't call this game, but I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What is the score yeah, prediction? I know you've got Louise. <laughs> What's the score prediction for Friday? Oh, I'm going to go for two all. Oh, Tony, come on, they're sitting on the <laughs> fence. I always sit on the fence. Do you know what? I can't call to people. Ask me about how Bristol City are going to get on against yeah. Luton the other week, and I thought I felt Bristol would go there and win. And Luton have not done very well just of late. Just changing the subject, and they go and mm. beat them two or three nil. So I very rarely get it right. So I am going to go on and give us a winner. If you barely get it right, give us a winner because we're only going to clip it up anyway and put it on Twitter. So it's fine. Yeah. Okay. No worries. If I was going to give you a ringer, I'd have to say QPR. <gasps> it's the Fulham fan show. Oh, no, you've you done that on purpose, didn't you? Tony, always a pleasure <laughs> to have you on, though. Tony Falk there, ex-QPR and Fulham striker. Cheers, he guys. knows all about it. Cheers, Tony. He went for 2-2. I pushed him. I should have pushed him. He went for QPR. Let's quickly turn the attentions to you two, because we've got listener questions. I want uh, to see how you think the game will play out and score prediction. But before we get into listener questions, we have had WhatsApps into the studio all about your star man, your star striker, Mitrovic. Who will replace him? Who will replace him, Dom? And what is your score prediction and, and the way the game will play out Friday? I think the front three, as I mentioned when Ibs called up earlier, will be, you know, Anthony Knockout on the right, Caviar on the left, and Bobby Reed through the middle, just because the amount of football that Bobby Reed has played, I think Parker really likes him. And score prediction wise, as as we've been saying, there will be goals in this game. I'm confident I'm confident ahead of this game. I think our attack will be wanting to prove points. They've all not had the greatest starts of the season so far. Bobby hasn't even got his goal yet. So yeah, I'm gonna go three one Fulham. Three one Fulham guy. Uh, I don't think we'll concede. I'm going to go 2-0. 
Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Well, that's it for this week's Extra Podcast. Thanks to our guests Richard Osman and Tony Thorpe, as well as you for listening and sending in your questions, as always. I hope to see many of you down at Craven Cottage on Friday night as possible. Come on, you whites, up to Fulham, and we'll be back on Monday for a full debrief of the action. We'll see you guys later. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations. And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us, Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate. Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck. With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other. Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course, exercising your right to vote. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.